Welcome to this episode of The Trillist. I am so glad for you to join us again. Before we get into this week's letter, I want to tell you guys about The Economist. I have been subscribed to The Economist since I was a freshman. I have continued my subscription because I'm able to get unbiased news and I'm able to form my own opinions on what is going on domestically and internationally. I am a big proponent on being educated and also on questioning the media and having a rounded view of the world. So make sure you get your life and use our Economist subscription link by going to our description box and clicking the link below. With our The Economist subscription link, you, my friends, are able to get a 12-week digital subscription for $25 or a 12-week print and digital subscription for $29. If you are a student, you can get a 12-week digital subscription for $19 and a 12-week print and digital subscription for $24. Ladies and gentlemen, that's such a great price for an unbiased news source that is very reputable and that you'll be able to educate yourself and be a knowledgeable individual because knowledge is wealth. So thank you. Please use our link in the description box and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Dear Freshman Kelsey, I'd just like to start by saying that I'm not writing this from a place of full understanding. Years ago, before I even got to Penn, I started a journey towards truth. I've been looking for so long for some kind of truth, either physical or emotional or mental. I've been actively seeking out answers this whole time. And when I was you, a freshman, I thought I had some. And since then, I've thrown them all out many times. So I can't claim to know anything right now. What I can give isn't knowledge, but my current perspective. I've been through so many things since I arrived at college. These things don't make my perspective more correct. Maybe a little more informed, but still I am wrong about everything. So I hope you can learn something about how you see the world through my view of it. At first, I believed in God because someone told me to. I stopped believing when I realized that stopping was an option. Then I believed again when I felt like it. And recently, I stopped because I was sick of it. In my eyes, the choice I have over belief in itself is reason enough to not believe. Besides, I see much more beauty and have much more faith in what I can see than what I can't. I don't feel pressure to wonder about so many things when I have honest answers in front of me. Maybe that's why I chose to study physics. I could not refuse the lure of deep understanding coded in the armor of mathematics. If I was smarter, I think I might even be able to explain what I understand to others in terms of what is, the way that brilliant physicists do all the time. I think that true intelligence is not in what you are able to discover, but in how you can convey what you know to others. So I rest with my knowledge, attempting to share it in bite-sized pieces on occasion. Usually, I just sit with it. The summer after freshman year, I went to Israel for two months. While I was there, I had a life-changing dinner. 
I was one of five guests at the house of a modern Orthodox family for Shabbat. At the head of the table is a father, raises a devout Catholic in America. He converted to Orthodox Judaism and he practiced without a community for a year before meeting his wife, who sat next to him at dinner. They had three daughters. The eldest was 21 and embarrassed at not yet being married. She considered me an illegitimate child since my dad wasn't Jewish. She was also an actress. The middle daughter was 19 and a computer scientist in the army. Her work was top secret. She could also create beautiful artwork without any planning ahead. She encouraged me to start painting without the end in mind and always praised my work, no matter how messy it turned out. The youngest sister was sweet and excited to know me. She asked me questions about my life with such curiosity and delight that I felt much older and wiser than I was. The guests excluding myself included the following young men, a Singaporean who barely spoke. He chose to take in more information than he gave. A boy from Denmark who spoke 14 languages and had a passion for people and places and photography. A young man from India, a world-class violinist, who was told by doctors that he had less than a few years of life ahead of him, a disease slowly eating away at his brain. And another man from several places in Eastern Asia who was working with a dying violinist to build a philosophical machine that would help them get the most out of life. The last guest is the one that invited me. He liked the way I thought, since at the time I was a visual thinker, and that reminded him of when he was a boy. Anyway, the topic of conversation that evening was a philosophical engine. The two who were building it argued that there was some attainable capital T truth. They argued that if they worked hard enough to understand everything, they could find it. And then they would be able to deal with everything, because they would know. The father of the family argued that this truth was unattainable, that he had often tried in vain to search for it that his search had kept him up at night for years. Finally, he settled in the comfort of acceptance that he would never know. The debate was hot and everyone had something to say. All voices were heard, all opinions rebutted. I went to bed before it ended. I tried to stay awake for all of it, but some just had more to say on the matter and I couldn't keep my eyes open past 2 a.m. I have not had a conversation like that since. I miss it though, and I hope to find it again. I brought all of this up because I think it's important to consider what you believe and what you don't. Keeping in mind that all there is, is what you experience. How will you respond? When a wrench is thrown in your perception of the world, what will your reaction be? You can shrug your shoulders, you can cry out in pain, you can have faith in some sort of divine presence. The choice is totally yours. Personally, I find a lot of freedom in that. I see a lot of beauty in the world and I'm very grateful that my heart has such a high capacity for love right now, at this point in time. I feel very free and I'm extremely content with where I am. I don't care so much about where I've been or where I'm going, I'm just happy to be. To change the subject completely, I'd like to tell you a story from a time when I wasn't so happy to be. And I wasn't satisfied with where I was, what I had done and where I was going. Halfway through sophomore year, I was taking the long way home after an awkward encounter with a boy. By the long way home, I mean I was walking up and down Locust repeatedly, considering and reconsidering the events from the night. I began by remembering the problem set I had been working on with my study group when I received a simple text asking whether or not I was awake. I remembered the lit candles to set the mood and the mattress on the floor. He liked me but wasn't impressed with my ass and he felt the need to let me know. Remembering this made me cringe. He offered me a cigarette and I took it. 
I'm not in the habit of smoking tobacco, but on the rare occasion that someone offers me a cigarette, I take it in an effort to be polite and in part for the lovely feeling of taking a drag by the window. He then played me a song he had composed with GarageBand. It was dark and messy and dissonant. He asked me if I would have liked the song if it had been written for me, specifically if we were lovers. I replied that I would have liked that he wrote me a song, but would have found it concerning since it was so dark. What about his lover could make him feel such dissonance? He heard that I would have liked it and was happy with that. Then I left. The air was just cold enough to allow me to think for two laps of locusts before I resigned myself to going home. When I arrived in my apartment, the feeling of regret sunk deeper into my stomach. It wasn't for what had just happened, it was for everything that had ever happened. And it wasn't quite regret either. I sat at my desk looking at an old picture of my siblings and me that was taped onto the wall. The one where my sister and I sat on either side of my infant brother, whose face was already speckled with eczema. The one where all three of us were laughing hysterically at some joker with a camera. I looked into the smiling face of a five-year-old girl who was clutching a pink bunny. She seemed so happy. She believed in everything. She honestly thought she was a princess. She thought her parents were happy together. She thought she would be rich one day. She thought that she felt all the emotions that there were. Sitting at my desk, I wept for her. I wept for the events that were to unfold that would confuse her, hurt her, and leave her desperately grasping for something she didn't want. It wasn't regret, it was sorrow, I guess. This feeling of dissatisfaction was fleeting. It showed me exactly how much I needed to care for myself, and eventually even forgive myself. I want to share another story that shows the opposite feeling, gratitude for what you have. I was walking up Locust one day after classes in the spring of the same year, it was one of those days in spring that brings out the best in our campus, when the warm weather is still new enough that no one would rather stay inside and work. When the trees are at full bloom, filling the already green landscape between Van Pelt and College Hall with bunches of pink. A perfect color scheme for a happy heart. I was walking and people watching, enjoying the company of happy strangers when something caught my eye. The pink trees in the courtyard outside of Annenberg were beginning to shed their petals. Steadily, a stream of pink flurries descended into the gray stone. Excitement lit my chest and I quickly made my way to a spot beneath the branches where I could let the petals gently shower over me, hissing my face and arms. It was truly beautiful. Naturally, when stuck with such beauty, one wishes to share it with another. And this is when I found myself in a wonderful predicament. I couldn't decide who to call to the scene. Imagine that. Not only are there people in my life who I love enough to share something beautiful with, but those people would easily come to where I am at a moment's notice. Appreciate the beauty I want to share and appreciate that I was there to show it to them. I don't know how to better explain how incredibly special the friendships I have here are. They have spoiled me to expect the most from people. They have inspired me to be better than I am. They have taught me a thousand things I would never have known. And they will always appreciate something beautiful. All right. So just to review, we have to figure out what we believe, fully understanding that what we believe now will constantly change as we grow. We have to forgive ourselves. We have to find others who appreciate the same things we do, who can help us on our paths. I think there's just one more thing we should consider. Something I'm currently working on, but is very difficult. 
I was watching a not that great rom-com called How Do You Know, starring Owen Wilson, Reese Witherspoon, and Paul Rudd, an excellent cast. During the movie, Reese Witherspoon goes to a therapist's office and boldly asks if he has one piece of advice that is generally true and that could help with anything. He says, quote, figure out what you want and learn how to ask for it, end quote. Honestly, it's pretty brilliant, although super vague, and the rest of the movie was only okay. But that's what I'm trying to do now. In addition to being content with where I am, I'm trying to figure out what I want from life, from people, and from myself. It's a really hard question to answer. What do I want? But it's so important. I was never blessed with knowing what I wanted to be when I grew up. I went back and forth between all sorts of things that interested me. I chose my major because I liked the classes and the homework, not because I wanted to be a physicist. I'm in an environment where everyone seems to have found their calling, and some of them have already started in their field. I have often felt behind or without a path, like I was doing something wrong by doing less. But I had never given myself the space to wonder what I want, not what I want my career to be, because I have unlimited time to figure that out, but what I want to do on a day-to-day basis, what I want to feel and see, who I want to surround myself with, where I want to be. I'm giving myself the space now, I'm trying to at least. Once I figure out what I want, I have the first half of the question answered. Then I just need to figure out how to ask for it. I'm so grateful that this is where I am right now. I have had so many opportunities to grow. I've had so many opportunities to want. I'm so grateful for my privileges as well as for the burdens which make them so recognizable. I hope with this letter I was able to give you something to think about If it made you more certain of your beliefs, if it made you question something, if it made you think differently or similarly, if it made you feel something, then I can feel good about sharing it with others. Thank you for your ear. Affectionately, Kelsey. If you could please rate and leave a comment on this podcast, that would be great. It would help us be more easily identifiable on iTunes and so on and grow our listenership. And tell your friends. Thank you. For more Trill content, visit the Trillis underscore podcast on Instagram. T-H-E-T-R-I-L-L-E-S-T underscore podcast. And also visit Sia's Instagram at L-I-N-D-A-L-E-B-B-I-E. Thank you.